Hello and welcome to another episode of Parentline Podcast. I'm your host, Roger Gowdy, and in this episode, I talk to Q Radio presenter and Parentline ambassador, Abe Sesse. Abe is a father of four, I'm a father of two, and so this episode was all about being a dad. We cover lots of topics like the changing role of fatherhood, what values we want to instill in our children, where we get our parenting styles from, and a lot of other things as well. So I hope you enjoy listening to it. I really enjoyed chatting to Abe. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Parentline Podcast, where we discuss the joys and challenges of modern parenting and explore how we as parents can give our children the best start in life. So, Abe, you are a father of four kids, and the eldest of which is almost an adult. I am a father of two kids, the eldest of which is three years old. So basically what this is, is a thinly veiled advice slash counselling session from a certified veteran of fatherhood. So I just want to be transparent. Somebody you're saying should know what they're doing, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I have literally, I've got pen and paper ready. So, you know, this is gold. Okay, well, you said almost an adult. Katie turned 18 last week. Oh, really? Did she? Wow. A proper adult. So that was exciting and daunting all at the same time. Wow. That's exciting. So tell me about your family setup. Who's there? Who's in the house? So we've got Colleen, my wife, the the foundation of, of it all. If I'm being honest, Katie, as I mentioned, who's 18, Molly's 15, Stephen's 11, and Daniel's 10. Don't ask me their date of births. <laughs> well, I know, to be honest, I, she hesitated on the age there. I was a wee bit worried. I know their date of births. I do know their date of births. All off by heart. Very good. So I imagine with that many kids in the house, uh, lockdown was fun. It was. It was fun at the same time. It was challenging too, Roger, because, you know, where we were all in the house, we couldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, normally we kind of skip each other's company. It, it, it was fun in, in some respects whereby we did quirky things. Like, for example, I used to work every Friday, Saturday night. So getting an opportunity then to spend the weekends at home, we were able to do quirky things, play games, dress up. We did a murder mystery night where we all dressed up and everybody had a character and that was that was great. We had a, a roller disco. We had wow. quick nights. We had and we and we try to keep it fresh and do these things to keep us occupied and keep us sane. Class. So and, good. and we got to know each other better. Yeah. As well, because we couldn't escape each other as such. Everybody has their own you know room and their own space, but we made a point of coming together. You know, once in a while and sitting down and having a chat, having dinner around the table. I can't get that image of a roller disco in your house out of my head. That's that's something else. Oh, yeah. Right behind me here, we've got an island in the middle. And so it was just, we were able to go right around and, and they had a bit of a track and wore the floor and down, actually. Yeah. And some really dodgy 70s, 80s okay. music, I hope. Uh, yeah, oh, 70s and 80s all the way. I didn't roller skate, by the way. I, I okay. And get a set of roller skates to fit my feet. Sounds sensible. So obviously, 
you are a Parentline ambassador. You know, tell me about why you wanted to get involved in Parentline. Because I know the challenges um, of being a parent. I know that I'm lucky to have my wife, Colleen, to share that pressure, responsibility, challenges. We're lucky we have each other. I know that some people aren't that lucky. So um, to be able to come on Parentline and be able to, first of all, let people know the Parentline is there. It's, you know, the guys in Parentline are amazing. They're at the end of a phone, confidential, no matter what. And, and just to get that message out there that there is somebody there to listen and to dispense advice. Because a lot of people don't know that. It's true. It's true. And if any parents are, are listening and do want to call about any kind of parenting issue, 0808 80 20 400, and that number will be in the description of the podcast as well. So is parenting something that you've, I mean, obviously you come across as a really passionate dad and someone who really enjoys parenting, but is that something that has always been in you? Have you always thought, oh, I really want to be a dad? Or is it something that's kind of grown on the job? No, it's from the get-go, from a young age, I've I come from a big, family um in, in terms of there's a lot of, of a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins and i've always wanted kids way back 18 20 years ago if you had have asked me would you like a, a boy would you like a girl if i was being brutally honest i would have said i would like a wee girl you know and i was very lucky because i got my two girls first and then there was a bit of a gap there was like a gap for four years five years and then I got my son and then 13 months later, I got another son, <laughs> you know. And talk to me about that moment whenever you're in the hospital, your first child's just been born. Were you on a scale of naught to 10 where naught is pure fear and 10 is pure joy? Where, where were you? <laughs> oh, off the scale of like 20, 30 joy. It was just <laughs> Joy all the way. We were in the hospital and Colleen's waters had broke and it, it seemed to be like forever. And I went, I actually went to Smith's to buy Trivial Pursuit to play in the hospital with my mother-in-law and put a couple of hours in anyway until what seemed all hell broke, broke loose. And, and within minutes, seconds, then she was born. But my mom, she was working in the hospital and I phoned my mom. And as soon as she came on the phone, as soon as I heard her voice, I just went to pieces. I couldn't even really? tell. I couldn't even tell her if I had a boy or a girl. I was crying. Wow. And it was just sheer joy. You know, Roger, I'll never forget that. Wow. Because funny, because I think I probably let a little bit of fear get in the way. I remember having to talk to myself. I, uh, whenever Finn was born, my son, he's three now, but whenever he was born, he was in the hospital for a couple of days and... I went home to get some sleep and I came back and actually I was, I remember really vividly going along the motorway and having to talk to myself because it suddenly just hit me the kind of the, the weight of the responsibility and the fact that I was now in charge of, you know, obviously with my wife, but in charge of this life. Did that, did that kind of weight never weigh in your mind or you just kind of, you just took it in your stride? No, well, the anticipation uh, until that moment that the baby was born, it was joy, it was sheer happiness. Yeah. Then the baby's born. Yes. Right, and it's like, right, oh, oh my God. Game on. <laughs> we got we to gotta bring it home. <laughs> we got to feed it. We got to, um, the, the car members spend in 
I don't know, an hour or something stupid trying to fit the bloody car seat. <laughs> yeah. All right. And and like every small thing like that seems like you it, it's you gotta nail it, you gotta do it right. Yeah. And so yeah, you're one hundred percent right from that point of view. And then like that that was the first one and then the second one came along and, and it's like mm, right. So it's we knew what to do before. Yeah. So yeah. It's not on chartered territory now. Yeah, yeah. That was my experience as well. The second time round, I think I was able to enjoy it. And I was kind of conscious that the first time round, I think I'd, I'd just worry too much. And, I'd, and, and yeah. there's no point in worrying because you're not going to be ready. You're not ready. Right. But, you know, you'll, you'll learn as you go kind of thing. Yeah. But that, that feeling of taking the baby out of the hospital on day one, you know, especially your first baby and you're walking out going, is, are the alarms going to go off here when I go out this door? Is anyone going to stop me? Because I, I've got a life here. I think of like the three years I had to study for accountancy to, you know, to work in anyone's books and yet there was no training for parenting. Yeah, no, none at all. And, and you get, the more you have, obviously, the more relaxed you become, the more you enjoy. Yeah. Like I worked late nights and I used to be able to come home at half one or two in the morning, do the maybe night feeds, let yeah. come sleep or rest I was able to do that because I'm a night owl anyway and 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 it was nice to be able to share that responsibility yeah that's so that was the girls then Stephen came along in 2010 2009 rather and we thought right we're like an old hand at this and then Stephen's birth was well basically Stephen's shoulders got stuck mm. I'll never forget the hospital room went from the midwife, a trainee midwife, to doctors, consultants, all the midwives that were there all came rushing in. And I, I, I nearly passed out. Um, I had to sit down. Colleen, she, she handled it real well. And what seemed like 30 minutes was probably 30 seconds. And he was out. But that the sheer fear... Mm. like oh my goodness um, so that was scary that was real, mm-hmm. really scary and then Daniel came along quite soon after mm-hmm. and they had to sit us down and, and, and explain right well this happened with Stephen this is worst case scenario this is what could happen and after being quite relaxed with the girls and, and up to Stephen being born then it was sh- sheer fear you know, you mentioned that earlier and, and the fear was there then with Daniel. But Daniel, clockwork. Yeah. You know, when he was born, it was clockwork. And yeah. and then I said, no more. That's yeah. it. <laughs> We're done. You've done all right, though. Four, that's, that's quite an achievement. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, the role of a father has changed like if you think even a generation or two ago back a lot of men wouldn't have been at the birth they maybe wouldn't have been changing nappies the baby was very much kind of the mother's concern and that there's been such a cultural shift there now you're obviously a, a modern man yep so I imagine you're right in the thick of it and changing nappies but did that feel natural to you or you know what how did you feel about taking on that role no I I felt pretty confident in terms of doing things like that, changing nappies. I left Colleen to the breastfeeding now, to be honest with you. I let her look after that. <laughs> You're just right. 
<laughs> nappies, I was changing the babies on, on my knee. Yeah. At one stage with my big long legs, I was able to do that. But I loved being, you know, hands on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my dad and my grandfather, that, that was unheard of. The yeah. babies and nappies, I didn't think like that. It was just second nature, I guess, you know, Colin and I were in this together. Um, yeah. But I would say it, it's maybe, you know, not the case in all relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say that, that the mother in a lot of relationships would do the brunt of the change and, and the feeding and whatever mm-hmm. needs done. Yeah, yeah, um, and every, every family's different, I suppose. And there is a, there is a kind of built-in inequality, if you like, for want of a better word, in that, you know, if, if the baby is breastfeeding, you know, that's a tough job and it doesn't always go to plan. And, you know, you feel as the dad, sometimes a bit like a spare part and like you wish you could help out, but, you know, there's only so much you can do kind of thing. Colin breastfed as best as she could with all of them. And I think it was Molly uh, and it was painful. It was real and, and we didn't have anything. We didn't have bottles or sterilizers or SMA or whatever. We didn't have anything at all. And Colleen, I'll never forget this night. We were sitting, uh, Colleen was, was in such pain and she was mm. crying. And I thought, that's it. And I got in the car, 24-hour Tesco in Lisburn. Mm. And I, I, I spent, I don't know what I spent, and bought everything. <laughs> Half a dozen bottles extra tates sma and, and everything right, right that's it yeah. that more and, yeah. and we've to be fair to her she tried to try 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 yeah. but it was yeah. just was too much yeah yeah and the more you hear stories of breastfeeding the more you realize it's it's not as straightforward as uh, as you yeah. might have imagined So, Abe, I asked you to do a bit of homework. I asked you to think of two or three songs that you associate with being a dad or with your kids. And I really wanted to impress you because you're a superstar DJ and uh, you're really into these radio segments and stuff. So I thought about, you know, I could maybe think of a really cool name for this segment and, you know, use a bit of alliteration and maybe even just create a jingle. And it's a thought that counts. So uh, it didn't happen. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll move on. So if if you can imagine, you know, we've just heard a really cool jingle and and we'll start there. (laughs) So what's your first song and why did you choose it? Uh, The first song, Gladys Knight and the Pips and Midnight Train to Georgia. That's kind of our family song. It's It's a classic. It's an old, old 70s track. But it's just a song that makes us all feel good. And initially, um, we watched, uh, as a family, we watched a program called Modern Family. Yeah. And it was highlighted in that a couple of times. And the boys latched on to it straight away. And they were doing the little the dance moves and made us laugh. So from that moment, that song has kind of been our, our SSA family song. I'm going to give you my first one then. Okay, My first one is Father and Daughter by Paul Simon. My dad played this at my sister's wedding during his father of the bride speech. And uh-huh. it was a real gushy moment. Um, the lyrics are, are some really good Paul Simon imagery. Uh, it talks about, though I can't guarantee there's nothing scary hiding under your bed. I'm going to stand guard like a postcard of a golden retriever. 
And then the chorus, I'm going to watch you shine, going to watch you grow, going to paint the sign so you always know as long as one and one is two, there can never be a father loved his daughter more than I love you. And if there wasn't a dry eye in the house, as you can imagine. That song. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to step out of shot, right, for two seconds, right? Yeah, yeah. I've got hundreds of CDs in here, right? <laughs> There it is. Awesome. That's amazing. That we song, didn't even talk about this beforehand. That song is one of my favorite songs. Like yourself, we used it um, as one of our songs on the wedding DVD. And oh, it's just a, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Isn't beautiful it? message. Isn't it? It's, There'll never be a father loves his daughter as much as I love you. It's goosebumps. Indeed. Indeed. Okay, what's your next one? So Barry White, you're my first, my last, my everything, because our, our first kitty, um, like it's, I used to work in the groovy train in the M club way back in the day, and we were always listening in the seventies disco and in the car, at home, wherever. And Kitty picked it up really quickly. Listen, and that was the one track she always, whenever we got into the car to go anywhere, Kitty would always said Barry White. Barry White, Barry White, Barry White, and that was the song, and she loved it. And ever since, um, we've all loved it. You cool. know? Yeah. My second one is similar in feel, and well, not style, but uh, for the same reasons. So my second one is Cola by Camel Fat and Elderbrook. That's a tune. It is a tune. That is a tune, all right. It's not chosen for its lyrics. I'm not even going to try and tell you the lyrics. <laughs> This one is chosen because it was kind of on a playlist of mine that I was listening to around the time that Finn was six months old. And any time it came on, his face lit up and he started like bobbing his head and uh, bouncing. <laughs> I don't know why, he just had this instant connection to it and it really made us laugh. It was like a family trick. You know, we we uh, used to bring it out at parties and yeah, Finn, yeah. Finn's head would, would go. Oh, it was so cute. So that's always been kind of etched in my memory as, yeah. as Finn's song. Well, similar to you, my third what would be a fats and small turnaround great dance track uh, again playing it and it came on in the car and I was messing about with the boys they were in the back and and I was ad-libbing throwing in my own words I feel like and the boys do you want to give us a rendition now yeah but really not <laughs> but the boys were laughing their legs off in the back of the car <laughs> and so every time um, it came on then, yeah. But it's it's amazing how songs immediately can transport you back to a certain time with your family or uh, an occasion or whatever. Like it's music is um, is a big part of our lives, mm. you know. Mm. Yeah, um, no, ours ours too. Okay, I'm going to finish up with my third. Then your three were strong. Those are cho- strong choices. Uh, my third is. Daughters by John Mayer. Are you aware of that one? Oh, John Mayer is amazing. I'm not aware of that particular yeah. song. Yeah, and this was always a song I really liked. But I think having had recently a daughter, he's now uh, about 10 weeks old, it's kind of been in my head. And it's about this relationship with a girl who is struggling with issues. She uses the words, she's like a maze where all the walls continually change. And then he kind of starts to realize that no matter what he does, there's nothing he, he can do to kind of help her because the issues have come from her childhood. 
Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily tell you why, but it says it mentions the father walking out. And and the chorus is fathers be good to your daughters, daughters will love like you do. Girls become lovers, you turn into mothers, so mothers be good to your daughters too. And I just it's just been kind of on my mind, I suppose, the responsibility and the the example that you are as parents and how if you you know your the example you set will be will be taken as the model for love and relationships and how you how you treat people yeah and just and just the importance and the weight of that yeah an amazing sentiment and i'll i'm gonna have to go and listen to that song now yeah if i was if i was a dj like you and i had the the budget of key radio that i could buy the the rights to these songs i could i could play it for you now but i'll just have to put the links in the description Okay. All right. Cool. Let's move on. So speaking of you being a superstar DJ, you have a busy life. And I imagine when you're not in COVID times, your uh, hours are fairly antisocial with being at events and stuff. So how does that work being a dad? How do you balance that? Uh, having an amazing life, if I'm <laughs> honest, that, that you know, because I, uh, pre-COVID, I was working a lot um, late nights. I was doing what I do on air but there's a lot goes on all off air too we're out and about all over northern ireland doing different things doing road shows and interviews and, and things like that award ceremonies maybe late at night uh, and yeah it's difficult colleen's able to come with me to some of those things so we can spend more time together and as are the kids but it, 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 it wasn't always easy and after kind of lockdown it has made me appreciate being at home, like having to go back out and work on sociable hours. You know, once again, I could see it far enough. I really, really could. The extra few quid comes in handy, but no, the it's priceless. But now I spend so much time at home with my family. Yeah, and you and you realise I think COVID has probably taught us uh, what what is important and what's not important, but. I think when you're out and about so much and you're kind of got your, your daily routine and your days are packed, time marches on so much quicker and you kind of suddenly realise that years have gone past and that's a scary thought. Did you see the BBC drama Us that was recently on? No, but I've heard a lot of people talking about that and it's something that I must watch. You, you need to watch it. It's um, based on a book by David Nichols and my wife and I watch a lot of Nordic Noir and all those kind of dark scandy stuff and i find this way scarier than any of that but it was (laughs) but it was just kind of mundane family life and the reason why it was scary is because it was so relatable it was so real like it's basically this guy tom hollander plays this middle-aged man who wakes up one day and his wife says i'm leaving you that you know it's, it's over kind of thing and there wasn't that anything happened it wasn't that there was any betrayal it was just kind of that that everything had just slipped away And then it becomes clear that his relationship with his son, who's, you know, getting towards adulthood and going to university has kind of ebbed away as well. And then then they go away on holiday and they try to basically revive the relationships. And it was, it just really hit home to me how easy it is to kind of coast and to not invest in your relationships and how, you, you know, you could find yourself one day waking up and going, flip, I should have really invested more. That you know that I, and and really being intentional about those connections, yeah. and not that I think that's going to happen, but it was just like it was so real that yeah. it's like that's way scarier than any kind of 
you know, murder thriller that you think is probably never going to happen, but those things do happen. And, you know, it is so important to invest in your, in your family relationships and yet the kind of day-to-day mundane busyness. Yeah. It's so easy to detract from that, isn't it? Yeah, 100%, Roger. And I, I'm one for taking millions of videos and photographs and keep memories. And every now and again, we, we would pull out old home movies from whenever the kids are born or, or from birthdays or occasions or random different things and just sit and watch. And until that moment, you think that, you know, things are just trucking along. But then you look back and you go like, that seems like yesterday. You know, look at Katie now, who's 18, that's her whenever she was two, yeah. whenever she was four or, or 10 or 10, you know, birthday, first year. She's now up her sixth in Rathmore. We recorded the journey from the house to the school and yeah. our first day, anticipation of our first day at school, you know, and like, and you think, where did the years go? And you'd give out anything to go back. You know, and you wish their lives away, but it's human nature. It's what we all do, you know, I guess. And sometimes it, it does no harm to take stock and just, you know, realize what you have. Totally, totally. It's funny how sometimes there's things that happen as a parent, and I don't know if this is your experience, but your reaction kind of surprises you. And it's actually maybe reminds you of maybe more how your mom and dad would have reacted, you know, that you kind of inherit these styles is that something that you found that you've either reacted against or kind of modeled your parenting style based on your mom and dad's or or what no it wasn't really based on, on my parents parenting style we kind of just did our own thing yeah i came from a very loving family and you know morals were that was instilled in into us from a very early age you know right and wrong um you know, manners and, and so from that point of view, yes, that's been been carried along, you know, as well. But Colin and I have, have found our own groove as such and uh, just doing what we feel is right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're saying that manners is one of those kind of being courteous and mannerly is kind of a, a family value that you've inherited then, I suppose? Yeah, that's right, right up there, yeah. yeah. I think for me, probably... I always felt that my mom and dad really invested in me in kind of knowing what was going on in my life and were really interested and still to this day, like they know the names of the colleagues that I work with and, and that kind of thing. And they've always got your back and they're always excited when you're excited and that kind of thing. And I think that's really important and something that I want to pass on so that my kids feel that whenever they have news in their life, that Laura and I will be there, you know, willing them on, because I think that's probably something really important that you're uh you're your children's cheerleaders kind of thing yeah. yeah it makes you feel good knowing that your kids can come to you and speak to you about anything no and obviously you, you want to know what's going on in their lives you want to know what you know what they're doing in school and, and like every day i'll come home from work i'll get home to maybe half seven um and i'll say well how was school and to be honest with you roger you'll get the same answer yeah all right yeah. You know what I mean? But <laughs> on the odd day, there'll be something goes down in school and, and they're not afraid to tell you. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's really important. I know my, my son Finn has just started preschool and uh, I uh, I ask him when he comes home, sometimes he says, so what did you do at school? And he says, good. 
And I said, no, I didn't ask you whether it was gay to say it, what did you take? But that's all you get. But then information trickles out throughout the day. You know, you get, you get bits and pieces. Yeah. <laughs> but it's weird to think of him, you know, he's at that age now, kind of up until this point, especially with COVID, he hasn't really been out of our sight. And then he's got this own wee world now in school that, you know, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and it's probably healthy that I'm not. <laughs> but, you know, it's weird to think of him having experiences that I'll never know what, what they are. Yeah. Um, but I suppose that's more of that's just to come. <laughs> yeah, they pick up so much in school and other other personalities. And, and at that age, they're like a sponge and they just soak yeah. up everything. Good and bad, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. 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 And you were talking about you and Colleen having your own kind of parenting style and your own groove that you've got into. Like often in in uh, television and films, you see the dad and the mum having different parenting styles and kind of at odds with each other. And sometimes it's like good cop, bad cop. And usually the dad's the bad cop. You know, wait till your father gets home or I'm going to tell your dad or whatever. Yeah. Do you find that you and Colleen have different styles or and do they complement each other or does it ever cause issues or not generally. No, we're we're more or less pretty much singing off the same hymn sheet. I would say if Colleen was here right now, she would agree with that. Uh, the kids may not <laughs> agree with that, you know. It's very much uh, a culture in our house if dad says no ask mum. Yeah. And, and vice versa, depending on what they want. Yeah, that's probably similar. Laura and I would be quite similar as well. And actually, I can't really imagine if you had totally different values or styles as parents. I imagine it would it would be really tricky. Yeah. Um, you just constantly be at odds with each other. I suppose my style is slightly more. I tr- I tend to use logic and and rationality far too much. See, with a three year old, logic and and three year olds don't don't work <laughs> whenever whenever Finn's having a, a a tantrum or you know I I quite often will find myself trying to like logic my way out of it for him you know explaining this is why this is happening and this is why this is what's going to happen if you do this and meanwhile he's freaking out and Laura's trying to explain to me that you know his brain's not ready for it <laughs> but she she's a she's a trained play therapist so I feel like she's got a bit of an advantage on me if you could click your fingers and instill like one core value in your kids what do you think that might be um respect others treat others how you would like to be treated i think that would be up there and and as i mentioned before the manners common courtesy because that gets you a long way in life yeah no very true very true we have a print on the wall in our house in Finn's room and it's a Charlie Mackesy print. Have you heard of Charlie Mackesy? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, he's got a brilliant book. What's it called? The the Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. And it's one of my favourite books. It's just full of illustrations. There's one little picture and it, it's the fox and the mole and the horse and the and the boy. And the it says, what's your best discovery? Asked the mole that I'm enough as I am, said the boy and I just I just love it yeah. and I if anything for my kids I would just want them to to grow up knowing that they they they've got everything they need that they're enough in themselves that they don't have to be anyone else that yeah. they don't have to compare themselves to their peers 
I actually, I don't think there's any easy way of transferring that that message or that value. I just think, uh, I suppose it's a drip feed over time, and hopefully you feel that that comes across that you get that across to your kids that you instill that in them. But um, I'd say that would be mine. I think actually that what flows out of that is respecting others, because whenever you respect yourself, then I think respecting others just naturally flows, doesn't it? Yeah, it comes along. Yeah, one hundred percent. You and your daughter have recently, I saw on Twitter, you've recently been part of a, a documentary called Black and Northern Irish. Tell me about that. How did, how did you get involved in that? Well, um, a Scottish filmmaker, he made Black and Scottish. He's taken that and ran with it in Northern Ireland. And, and basically, it's just people of black origin telling their story growing up somewhere that they might be regarded as different. Mm. My dad moved to Belfast in the late 70s to study in Queens, met my mum. I came along, the rest is kind of history. But growing up as a minority, in the minority rather, in Northern Ireland, um, had its challenges. And basically what it is, is just telling my story. There's myself and maybe 20 others you know my daughter she got involved as well um yeah molly she got involved yeah molly got involved she she um she's not one for their for the limelight or for the camera or for whatever but she wanted to go she's very interested in her black heritage mm. and she wanted to go down just to have a look and find out a bit more about others and and then they asked her would she be part of it as well and she reluctantly said well yeah okay <laughs> so yeah that's going to be hitting, hitting our screens hopefully in northern ireland pretty soon wow no look, look forward to seeing that that'll be brilliant yeah and is that something that's on your mind you know as a dad bringing up kids in a world you know does that kind of increase your desire to create a world that is tolerant and respectful and uh you know, doesn't have inequality baked into it. You know, I'm sure those things, those values are really important for you, given that you're you're thinking of the world that your kids are growing up in. Knowing the world that I've come through over the past 40 years, just 40 years, um, you know, and I've had my challenges and it's getting better. Thankfully, it is. And, and we have come a long way. We've still got a long way to go, but it's getting better and better and better. And I hope that my kids don't have to go through and endure some of the hatred that I had. And I don't get me wrong, there wasn't a lot of it, but there was some of it, you know, just because of the color of my skin. And it's it's, it's not right. And it, it, it would break my heart for my kids to feel like that just because of the way they look. I can handle it, but it's another... It's it's a whole different issue whenever my kids have to go through it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really glad to hear that you think it's it's going the right way, and I hope I genuinely hope it is. It definitely is. I'll give you an example, uh, which will make you laugh. Uh, coming out of a bar, um, not that long ago, with some friends, I walked out of a bar, and these two wee lads came flying past on their bikes, nearly knocking me off my feet. And one of them shouted, you baldy, such and such. And I went, you know what? I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. 
Yeah. Don't know if that's totally positive that you would take it one insult over another, but you know, I suppose that's progress. <laughs> it's progress. Believe me, it's progress. I've been called much worse. Listen, thanks so much, Yves, for um, for your time today. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. It's great to chat to you. Oh, listen, it's been a pleasure. Uh, and um, again, it's, it's been a pleasure to be part of Parent Line. It's great to have you on board. Thanks so much. All right, Roger.